You're listening to the Option Alpha Podcast from OptionAlpha.com, where we show you how to make smarter trades, learn how the stock market really works, and generate consistent monthly income. Now, your host and head trader at OptionAlpha.com, Kirk Duplessis. Hey everyone, this is Kirk here again at OptionAlpha.com, working every single week to make this the most popular investing podcast offered online and in iTunes because it's based on one thing and one thing only, and that's helping you guys make smarter trades. So again, thanks so much for tuning in to today's show. On today's show, we are going to be talking about how you can protect your portfolio in a down market. And this seems to be a topic that comes up again and again, and we've talked about it not only on, I think, show 15, way back when, when we first started this podcast about just like how often markets crash and kind of some stats around that, which we'll talk about here in a minute. But we also talked about it in another one of the shows, show number 30, where we talked about how you can use these costless collars to protect stock positions. And so, Today, I want to talk generally about how you protect the whole portfolio, kind of using options and how you can do some systematic things to kind of get yourself prepared for any market down move that we might have in the future. And we know that one is probably somewhere around the corner, right? So we'll start off by just talking about the fact that no two crashes or corrections are the same, right? So everything that we have as far as stats and and statistics on market crashes and how often they happen and what happens... Uh, that's all generalities until we go through the next event. And we know that it could be worse or it could be less worse or whatever the case is. It could take more time or less time. The only thing that we do know is that markets are cyclical, that we can't have markets that go straight up and straight down. Just is impossible to have that consistently do, you know, like have a risk on trade and a risk off trade, which means that people just have to be buying and selling and we have to go through these phases or cycles and nobody's immune to it. And every time that we think we are, we end up putting ourselves in probably a really bad situation like as a whole. So hopefully you're not in the camp that you are naive enough to think that we will never have another market down move. Now, in that regard, I just want to go back and reference some of the stats that we had in show number 15, again, which you can find at optionalpha.com slash show 15. But we went back and we kind of researched all of the stock market crashes at that point. And here's some interesting stats. I think it's really interesting because where we're at right now is that we're at like about a 10-year mark from when the market crashed last time, right? That 2007, 2008 kind of crash. We're like, we're coming up on that again. We're about 10 years into that. So what's interesting is when you go back, you know, and really research, you know, decades of, of market data back to 1928, which is really as far back as we could get it, what you find is that 21 times in history, stocks have fallen 20% at least, which is once every four years. Now, we haven't even had that yet. 41 times in history, stocks have fallen 15%, which is once every two years. We still have really not even had that yet. We've not had a peak to trough 15% correction in this market. I mean, it's really been kind of relentless bull market for 10 years. And then nine times the stocks have fallen at least 30%, which is once every 10 years. So we're really kind of pushing the boundaries here, statistically speaking, of where we you know, could see another correction. I mean, it, it literally could happen at any point. That's why these black swan events are so dangerous, but also so powerful because they, they correct markets and they keep everyone you know, kind of above board and honest about how they trade and how much risk they take on. And right now we're getting to that point now where like every day, every month that goes by just is not a matter of, you know, if it's a matter of when, when it's going to happen, right? And so that's something that I think is really interesting. And again, just to kind of keep in the back of your mind as you're, you know, thinking about how to protect your portfolio. 
So again, like I said, there's no two crashes that are the same. So all of that stuff being said, we don't know if it's going to be today, tomorrow, the next you know week. It could still be another year or so out, but it's going to happen. So here are some guidelines that I think you should follow just to stay safe until that happens. And really, as my daughter calls it, whenever there's a thunderstorm, she calls her a storm safety plan. So I say like you, you got to have your, your storm safety plan, your black swan safety plan. Okay. So there's a couple things I want to go through in this podcast. Number one is heading into a crash. You've got to have lots of cash. So you can just like, I use the analogy like crash equals cash, right? It's no surprise that anybody with cash heading into a market correction is better off, right? Than somebody who's fully allocated that has no wiggle room whatsoever. In fact, in the 2007, 2008 crash, when we were trading through that, we had lots of cash available. I wish I would deploy even more of it because we had room to hold margin expansion. So margin expansion went up, but also because those are really good trading opportunities. So I'll reference back to a couple other shows ago where we traded EWZ after a 15% overnight correction crash, whatever you want to call it. But we got into that market and that trade the day after it crashed because implied volatility was through the roof. And so now those people who have cash actually stand to make more money because you can be more nimble, you can be more aggressive. And it's no different than things like real estate when real estate crashes, right? And prices go down. It's the people who can afford to buy up all the real estate that end up making a lot of money because they're buying it below market value. It's the same thing, same thing in the options trading world. When the markets crash, you got to have a lot of cash available, not only to cover positions that you have, but also to expand and add new positions. Because we know from our profit matrix report, which you can check out at show 100, that when implied volatility is really high, that's when we make the most amount of money, right? That's when we have the best odds, the best edge. We can collect the most premium. Win rates are greater. Drawdowns are greater. I mean, like it's proven time and time again, right? So number one is you're heading into a market correction or you think it's going to happen, have a lot of cash. I'll be totally honest in saying we've had a lot of cash for a while and I'm okay still maintaining that position that we have the vast majority of our portfolio in cash and have for a couple of years now because I don't know when that's going to happen and I think we're probably close. And so I'm okay giving up a little bit of like, oh, I missed a little bit of the upside potential, right? For the fact that I won't be part of maybe a 10 or 15% correction that happens pretty quickly, okay? Now, number two, point number two here is that generally crashes happen in slow motion, right? And this is just on a relative basis. You rarely will get an entire market, right, that will crash overnight, right? Rarely. I'm not saying that's never going to happen, right? We've had those periods back in 87, right, where we had the Black Monday and stuff. Like, we not, are not always going to have that type of situation. Most of the time, markets market crashes happen in stages, right? They start to break down. They don't start to make new highs. They start to trade sideways. We have a little bit of a dip. It starts to recover. And then we have, you know, generally that final leg or that final move down, right? That kind of capitulation, right? And so it's okay then to give yourself a little bit of room and wiggle room to wait for that crash to happen, right? And not to over anticipate that it's going to happen now or, you know, three months from now or a year from now, right? So that's why we're still trading. Like we're still actively trading. We're still being neutral. We have been neutral for a while, right? We're going to be neutral all along the way as the markets continue to go higher. But we're still keeping in mind that when a crash happens, we're not just going to all of a sudden plow a bunch of money into it because it's probably going to happen in slow motion. So we have time as options traders to adjust and kind of move around it, right? It's actually a pretty interesting stat and I'll link up to it over here. 
to somebody who, John Huseman, who did some research on just like market corrections and market crashes. And what he said is he said that market crashes have a tendency to unfold after the market has lost a 10 or 15% correction and then recovered from those those lows. And so what happens is, as he had said in his research, kind of looking at a lot of different markets, a lot of different you know securities that end up crashing, is you have this kind of like pre-crash that happens, almost like a shot over the bow, like warning signal that you know something might happen, and it suckers a lot of people into this false sense of security because what happens is that the market has maybe a ten or fifteen percent drop, but ends up recovering, and from his research says ends up bouncing about six to seven percent of that range almost immediately, and so he's saying is that the markets may drop, you know, 10% or 15%, but will bounce hard off of that low, that like scare low that people, you know, see the markets doing. And it will almost recover that full amount, right? And it seems like, oh, that was just a, you know, buy the dip type scenario. And everyone thinks that they're smart money, they get back in, maybe they got a little shaken, but they realize, whoa, it's bouncing off of the lows. Like, this is our buying opportunity. And that actually ends up being the worst possible time. It you know suckers a lot of people into this false sense of security, and then the actual big move happens after that. Okay, so I think that this is really interesting. This again proves what we're talking about is that crashes happen generally in slow motion. That you know we see these dips obviously, and they happen in stages. These precursors, and then you have more opportunities. So I don't feel like any immediate correction in the market is going to be it. I think that if we have any type of you know strong move down five six. Seven, eight, nine, ten percent down. I think we'll see a bounce off of that because people aren't used to it yet. It's not, you know, there's no maybe no news circulating yet, and then we'll start to see, you know, more stages of lower, lower lows and lower highs. So some of the other information that we see, and I, I'll link up to all this stuff on the show notes page. So you guys can see there's some pretty good articles out there and research on this. So I'll link that up in show 105. So again, optionalpha.com/show105. But another guy also went out and kind of counted all these instances of sharp corrections in bear markets and when crashes happen. And so here's what he said. He said, I counted 24 instances of a drop of at least 10% in the last 30 years. The mean average drop is 17.7% over 11 and a half weeks. And the median is 17% over the eight week period. So again, it just shows that, you know, a crash is not going to happen most of the time on average. It's not going to happen you know, in two days, it's going to take some time for the markets to realize all the material, all the information, right? And for that information to be disseminated against, you know, the masses and lots of advisors, lots of people for people actually to, you know, take the time to call up their brokers and liquidate their position or find their logins and passwords and liquidate. It takes time, right? Now, individual securities can definitely crash overnight, right? This way we don't trade individual securities more than 5%. But markets as a whole generally take a little bit of time to happen. He says about anywhere between like 8 and 10 weeks, really. It looks like 8 to 10 or 8 to 11 weeks. And that's a couple months. I mean, that's, that's a couple months of time for the market to you know do what it needs to do. As options traders, this is good for me because I always think like most of our trades are, you know, around 40, 45 days out, right? Like that's our average. Sometimes we're shorter, sometimes we're longer, but on average, that's kind of where we're at. So what that means is that we might get stung one month, you know, heading into like a crash situation that we don't know is happening, right? We just know that the markets are moving lower. We don't know that this is it. This is the top. We won't see this again for a couple of years. We don't know that, but if you keep trading neutral, you can keep adjusting along the way. As stock traders, you don't have that choice, right? And that's why I tell people like index trading is really dangerous because it has such 
a big downside and you have to go through those big downside. You don't know when to pull out or when to, you know, get back in. And as an options trader, you can adjust along the way. And that's, I think one of the beauties of, of doing options trading is you can adjust if the market goes down 5%. Now you got your whole portfolio kind of moving lower. Okay. Now, the next thing is you've got to stick with the program and don't assume that a bottom is in or not. So this is really number three, right? You have to stick with the program. You cannot assume that a market bottom is in. I have seen this a lot. I've had to do deal with this myself a lot, especially on tops because I'm just, I don't know, maybe more of a bearish guy than, than bullish guy. But I always think and have for a long time that the markets are always high. So I always run under the assumption that any time the markets could drop. And it took me a while to realize that even though I still might have that assumption and I can adjust my portfolio by not allocating a lot, that I still need to maintain a neutral balance. I still need to be maybe slightly bullish in some areas you know, versus others. And that's really kind of helped me just realizing that I still don't know when it's going to happen, right? And so I got to stick with the program, stay neutral, and just realize that when it comes, when that market correction comes and we see a big dip, that I'll have an opportunity to adjust and kind of prepare myself you know, one more time before the major move happens. And that's really what I think. I think there's going to be a shot across the bow as there was back in 2007, 2008. You can see the charts. We had a major dip and then a nice rebound for about a month and a half. And so I think there's going to be a shot across the bow, and that's going to be the opportunity that people need to take to uh, kind of prepare themselves. So number four here is that you've got to scale up position sizes and maintain a balance during a down move. Now, this is hard. The first part of this is hard is scale up position sizes. As I talked about before, and we've done videos and live streams on this when this happened, when EWZ crashed 15%, we aggressively went in and started trading options. Now, not many people did that, but that's statistically what we have to do. We know from backtesting and all of our research that that's when you generate the most amount of money. So we want to slowly scale up our position sizes when the market starts to crash or when we start to see the market turning over and continuously making new lows. And the second part of number four here is maintain balance. Now, this is hard because here's what most people do. The common phrase is, and this drives me insane, common phrase is buy the dip, right? That's what people want to do. So when the markets drop, they buy the dip. And that's the total opposite way of thinking than what you should do. And here's why. Let's say heading into the market dip that hasn't happened yet, your portfolio is totally 100% balanced. Meaning if the market stays right here, you generate the most amount of money possible on all your trades, right? Now, if the market drops, let's say 5%, then your portfolio still has its center of profit, its top of its bell curve higher than where the market is right now. Remember, if the market drops and you've done nothing, then you are naturally bullish just based on the way that the market has moved, right? You actually still make most money if the market rebounds already, right? Does that make sense? That concept makes sense, hopefully. So what people do when they hear buy the dip is they get even more bullish when they've already naturally been bullish, right? If the market drops 5%, your portfolio has now just become naturally bullish. You need the market to rally back 5% for you to make the most amount of money. Why would you add more long bullish exposure to your portfolio than you already have? And that's why people who buy the dip and then the market continues to go lower actually just dig themselves into a deeper hole. Here's what you should do instead. I say trade the direction of the market. So if you are neutral and the market goes down, get more bearish. Add more bearish positions in your portfolio. You don't need to touch the bullish positions that you have, 
those still may be okay and those will you know profit if the market recovers but what you really need in your portfolio is you need more bearish positions you need more positions so that if the market is to continue lower then you're going to continue adding bearish positions so that's why i always tell people is like trade what the market gives you trade the direction of the market and this goes in the opposite direction so if the market continues to move higher and you were already neutral don't get more bearish. Your portfolio is naturally bearish now, right? You need to add more bullish positions, which is counterintuitive. But when you really think about the portfolio curve and equity curve, you realize that it makes a lot of sense to do this. So that was number four, scale up position sizes and maintain balance. Number five is to go back and reference show number 30 that we have and to use costless collars for your stock positions. So if you have a stock position that you want to maintain in the market, One of the best ways that you can do it for free is to use what's called a costless collar. And the reason that you want to do this is because you don't know when the market crash is going to happen. So you want to protect your portfolio, but you don't want to pay the Airfingers quotes insurance premium that it costs to do this. Imagine all the people, if they would have protected their portfolio by paying for this like out of the money put insurance, all of those premiums would have added up over this last 10 years when the market did not crash. But the people who use a costless collar lost no money to protect their portfolio and they got some small protection for their account and their stock, right? So again, this is if you have a stock position, you want to use it. You want to use things like covered calls and costless collars to kind of protect that position and reduce cost basis. That's all it's about is just reducing cost basis. So again, you can head on over to show number 30 on the podcast to check that out, okay? So hopefully this kind of helps out. Again, I wanted to you know have this discussion today about you know how you can protect your portfolio if the markets move down, I know that we're getting closer and closer every day. And every day that the markets don't drop, it just means that it's going to be that much more painful when they do. And hopefully I can reference this show for many, many years to come as I maybe go back in the future once the markets actually do crash and see, you know, hopefully you guys are heeding this advice and kind of taking the appropriate precautions now to kind of set yourself up for this and start thinking through this, getting some, as my coach would say in football, getting some mental reps before this actually happens so that you're not blindsided by the next move down. And now our favorite part of the show, Trader Q&A, where we ask a question from one of our current members about options trading. Got a question you'd like to ask Kirk to answer live on the air? Just head on over to optionalpha.com forward slash ask and hit the record button to leave a message. That's optionalpha.com forward slash ask. And now here's today's question. Hi, Kirk. I have a bear call spread on Tesla, which I sold. The strike prices are 295 300 which means I sold the 295 calls and bought the 300 calls. Uh, The reason why I put this trade on was Tesla was at the top of the Bollinger Bands and that usually means that, you know, the stock will revert back to mean. And in this case, I could clearly see the trend dropping, which means it's not, it looked like that it's not going to sustain its upward movement. But yesterday, unexpectedly, some news came out. Elon Musk announced more than expected sales on, on the on the Teslas. And then he announced conversion pack, which can convert any existing traditional car into a electric car. So both these news combined are, at least I feel that they're going to shoot up the stock like no tomorrow. So it looks like my trade is going to be a definite loser. But since you recommend that we you shouldn't cut your losses, 
What's your take on this? Should I let the trade go or should I just cut my losses and close the trade? Thank you. Hey, man, thanks so much for submitting the question. So I think this is a common you know, fear that people have is you know, they get into a position, seems like they've done everything right, and then the position just doesn't work out. So I'm sure everyone who's listening now, you've been in that situation, right? It was the perfect setup, air fingers quotes, and it just didn't work out, right? The first thing I would say to you is I do not think that you should get out of the position. You still don't know where Tesla is eventually going to go, right? And so I know that this recording or was submitted a long time ago, and since then, Tesla is obviously much higher, but even still, you didn't know when Tesla was going to pull back or not. I see a bunch of pullbacks during this time period, so maybe you caught it and were able to get out. Regardless, in any trade that you do, you have to let the numbers work out, right? If it's a 70% chance of success trade, you know that 30% or less of the time, you're going to have the stock move against you, and you just have to accept that. Now, something that you can do if you don't want to get out and use a stop loss, because we know that those create more losing trades. We've covered that in the podcast here before. You can go back through the archives and see that. But one thing that you could do is you could adjust your bear call spread in Tesla and turn it into an iron condor or an iron butterfly. And that's actually something that we just did with one of our trades in the queues. We originally traded the queues with a credit spread, a call credit spread, a bear call spread. And then the queues started to rally. So we turned it into an iron butterfly selling the same at the money strike put in call and then buying options on either end creating that wide kind of payoff diagram. So that's a good way that you can, you know, hedge this risk basically that if Tesla does continue to move higher, at least you don't lose as much money, but you still keep the trade on. You still keep the probabilities kind of rolling. And then from there, if you get to expiration and you think that it's still a trade you want to maintain, try to roll the trade to next month. But I do not think that closing out is the best, you know, solution in most cases. I think that you have to let the numbers work themselves out. In fact, recently we saw Tesla just as like a case study on this. Tesla back in July of this year, or I guess beginning of July, end of June of this year, rallied hard from around $300, got up to $386, and then promptly in about three days reversed that entire move. So about a $90 move down back to 300. And so you don't know how far, how fast the stock is going to move. Even a big company like Tesla that's really traded a lot, it's very liquid, people love trading this, you still have almost a $90 move in a couple days. And that just, again, proves that these things are cyclical and you got to wait it out and see if you know the markets reverse or turn around. So it happens a lot in every stock, not only Tesla. So I don't think that you should close it out as long as your position size is small and not too big in your portfolio. Keep playing the numbers, keep playing the probabilities and maintain the position. So as always, if you guys would like to get your question answered here on the podcast or live on Facebook and Periscope as we've been doing, please head on over to optionalpha.com slash ask and click the big red button in the middle of the screen. Leave me a private voicemail. There's no software to download or install and it's incredibly easy. Now, before we get into the closing bell segment and look at a trade that we're making today, I wanted to let you guys know a little bit more about our Profit Matrix report, which we just released last month. If you want to learn more about our Profit Matrix report, you can actually listen to the podcast about it, which is show 100, and that's at optionalpha.com slash show 100. And basically in this report, we just took all the years of backtesting that we had been putting together and about 21 million different trading setups and put together all the numbers on it in very easy to read and manageable format with a bunch of heat maps and different matrices and tables as to what are the best setups, when should you get out, when should you get in, uh, how should you set up trade, should you use stop losses or not, or profit targets or not, and kind of compiled all this data. And for us, we know that it's without a doubt the most comprehensive look 
at options trading strategies that we've seen in this industry ever. We have more data published in one place than anybody has on this. And that's why we often sell a lot of our research and what we do to other financial institutions and hedge funds, et cetera, because we've got a really good system together. So again, if you want to get your hands on that profit matrix report, head on over to show number 100, which is at optionalpha.com slash 100. Now, the closing bell. Find out which stocks we're looking at right now, trades we're making, and hear our game plan moving forward. All right, so in today's closing bell segment, I want to talk about a new trade that we're getting into today in EFA, which is an emerging market ETF. It's one that we often like to trade. We like to have some exposure in emerging markets. And so for us, we've already had a position in EFA and we're adding now a second laddered position in EFA for the month of October. So the reason that we do this and we again talk about laddering a lot is because we like to spread our trade entry out over time. And this has really worked out well for EFA because recently it's been on a nice run from 66 up to 68, which is a $2 move, but it's actually a pretty decent move for a big emerging market ETF like this. And so our original trade was centered around 67. And so now this new iron butterfly that we're getting into is centered around 68. So all we're doing is we're just stair-stepping our way higher with the market, kind of laddering into this position, spreading our entry out over time. Now, in this particular case with EFA, we're doing a little bit of a skewed iron butterfly. And what I mean by this is that we're selling the 68 calls and puts, which are right at the money. And then on the put side, we're buying puts out at 62, which is $6 below the market. Now that gets us to around 10 bucks for those put options, which again is something cheap that we want to do. We don't want to get into something that's insanely expensive. We want to buy this cheap protection. But on the call side now, we don't have to go out $6. And that's because the call side gets really, really cheap, not that far out of the money. So in our case, all we're going to do is we're going to buy the 71 calls for $2. Now, the 71 calls are only $3 out of the money, half the distance of the put options. But there's no point to go $6 out on a trade like this and still pay the same $2. So if we went another $3 out to the 74 strikes, we would effectively pay $2 for those strikes as well. So again, you have to use some sort of logic in here with trades as you're building them out. Don't just blindly look at them and say, you know, Kirk or whoever, or whatever you're following, you know, did a $6 wide spread. So I'm always going to do a $6 wide spread on both sides. Look at the pricing a little bit and ask yourself, you know, like, am I really getting a good deal here? And in this case, if we went out to the 74 strikes, which there's no volume anyway, so that kind of tells you that nobody should be trading them. But if we went out to the 74 strikes and paid $2, we would have $300 more risk for the same cost of buying protection. So why not buy protection at the 71 strikes for $2, right? And have $300 less risk if EFA continues to move higher. So it is a skewed iron butterfly. It doesn't necessarily mean that we want EFA to move higher or lower or whatever the case is. It's just that we're skewing it based on pricing. We're giving ourselves more room on the put side because we want to go out further and buy some cheap options. And we're on the call side. We just don't have to go out that far. You just you know can only go out a couple dollars and and there are a couple strikes and then you get some really cheap protection. So hopefully that makes sense. We're doing it all for a $142 credit, which gives us about a 68% chance of success on the trade for October. Thanks for listening to the Option Alpha podcast. If you liked what you heard, please drop by iTunes and leave a rating or comment. 
Plus, you can get everything. Free email updates for future shows, transcripts, video tutorials, case studies, and more. Just visit our website at optionalpha.com. All right, so I truly hope you guys enjoyed today's show, as always, and got at least one thing out of it that you can apply right now to make you a smarter, more profitable trader and investor. As always, you can get additional resources, links mentioned in the show, and some related video training from today's show by going to optionalpha.com slash show 105. That's just the number 105, optionalpha.com slash show 105. Until next time, happy trading.